Welcome to Gen Z Hoops. Today, we're joined by our Southwest Division expert, Curtis Johnson, here to break down the past week of NBA action for the Grizzlies, Mavericks, Spurs, Pelicans, and Rockets. Curtis, tell us a little bit about the Grizzlies and, and obviously coming off this, off this trade deadline, what are some of the thing, moves that maybe happened or didn't happen that you think really puts this team in position to take control of the ninth seed in the West? Yeah, for sure. I think the best thing that the Grizzlies did was they obviously they didn't make any moves. Uh, after the deadline was over, they end up waving uh, Gorgie Ding. Obviously, I'm sure Gorgie wanted a bigger role and with the team being young and, you know, them trying to get a lot more experience for guys, I guess, like uh, Xavier Tillman, Brandon Clark in his second year, you know, just all those other guys that got even on the two-way contracts trying to get more looks at them. I guess it kind of made sense to let Gorgie go. Uh, I'll talk about where he ended up landing later in the show. But I think that was the best move for them, not trading or signing or doing anything. Go with what you got right now. Uh, some more positive news. Uh, our general manager, Zach Kleiman, said that uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. hopefully will be returning at some point in the month of April, by the end of April. So we'll see when he returns, how the team looks, uh, how things will flow when he gets back. Jonas, uh, another positive for the Grizzlies, Jonas is averaging 12.5 rebounds. He's still third in the NBA in rebounds, getting double digits just about every night I'm watching him play. Uh, that's a great sign because that's what he's there for. You know, they went two and two on this week. They lost two games to Utah Jazz. They won, lost one to the Jazz at a nail-biter. The first game, second game, it was uh, pretty much Jazz had control of the entire game. And they won two before that. So that put them in good position. They're in a nice spot right now because Golden State has been uh, losing without Steph Curry. He's out, I think, still with a bone bruise and his uh, tailbone bruise. So they're going to definitely want Curry back if they want to get out their uh, losing streak. I see the Grizzlies actually moving up, getting to the uh, seventh or eighth spot because the Dallas Mavericks, uh, they're without Luka at the moment, and he has a back injury. Uh, they've lost the last two games without him. And I see the Grizzlies moving up to the eighth spot, possibly seven. Spurs, they went on a little loose streak. I'll talk about that later. But I think the Grizzlies are in a good position to move up for the uh, rest of the season and move up, hopefully getting the uh, seven or eight spot. Interesting stuff. And the, the Mavs are right there with them. I'm curious, where do you see – um, these teams really getting to the nick of things as we get down to the end of the season. What do you think is going to come out of that? It's going to be very interesting, like I was telling you. Uh, I think it's going to come down between Dallas, Spurs, Memphis in that 7, 8, 9, 10 spots. They're going to be uh, somewhere in those uh, line of play for the play-in game. Uh, that's leading me now to the Dallas Mavericks. The last week, they didn't have a pretty good week. They went 1-3. Luka missed two games. They lost both of the games that Luka did not play. And Chris Stops, he set out one game for low management for his uh, knee his uh, knee surgery had um, after the bubble. So they're, they're going to look to turn things around. Uh, obviously, if Luke is not playing, I don't think they're going to be pretty much in any game. Uh, I look for Luke. If Luke can come back sooner rather than later, hopefully it's not a serious back injury. Hopefully it's something minor. I think they can, uh, especially with LeBron being injured, I think Dallas can go on a good win streak and get them probably in the uh, five, four spot maybe. And you'll hear Luke's name in the uh, MVP conversation with, Joel LeBron out. I mean, is, is anybody's taking for the MVP right now? They're just waiting for a name to bring up. And I think Lucas is one you'll start to hear because I think James Harden's going to get disqualified because of how some people view of how he left Houston and, you know, him being in Brooklyn with a lot of good players or great players, you might say. So I think Lucas is going to get his name entered into the conversation with uh, they're trying to say Dame now and uh, the Joker. But other than that, Tim Hardaway, he's still playing good. I think he's going to be one of the top three candidates for six men of the year with Jordan Clarkson and uh, Shake Milton off the Sixers. 
Tim's averaging 17 points a game while shooting 39.5% from three, basically 40%. So let, let's see how the Mavericks do this week. Uh, hopefully Luca comes back and they can get back on a win streak. 100%. And you mentioned uh, uh, the Rockets and just when thinking about James Harden, they just come right to mind, even though he's not with them anymore. But in, in terms of Rockets, they, they, won, they won their first game after snapping a, a huge losing streak. Um, do you, what do you think they are? I mean, of course, after the trade line, two making some moves, what do you think they are um, as a team? Steven Silas is trying to keep those guys, you know, I think all together because losing, we all know what losing does to anyone. It gets everybody frustrated. Everybody's pointing the fingers. There's plenty of blame to go around. I think his job pretty much going to be this year just trying to keep that team together best as he can because it's obvious. I think they're going through a rebuilding project. You're trying to figure out what pieces are you going to keep. And I definitely think a piece they're going to keep is Christian Wood. Uh, and, you know, they finally snapped their losing streak. They beat the Toronto Raptors. They were led by John Wall. He had a triple-double in the game and Christian Wood. Uh, one of their future pieces, I think, he contributed 19 points with four rebounds. Uh, in other news, they end up trading Victor Oladipo to the Miami Heat. He's going to get him a new start over there with uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, the defending Eastern Conference uh, champions over there. And the Rockets got in return. They got Kelly Olenek, DJ Augustine. They got some draft compensation. I think uh, Kilo Lennox will help uh, stretch the floor a little bit for them. You know, Chris Wood, he can play inside and out. I think uh, Olenek is definitely going to stretch the floor and going to be very useful for uh, Christian Wood. And DJ Augustine, we all know he's a good vet. Uh, he can start or come off the bench. He's going to give you uh, plenty of points. So, you know, I, th I think he's just a good veteran to have with all those guys they have on the team that are rookies and, you know, looking for some veteran mentorship. So, you know, having K.J. Martin and uh, Kevin Porter Jr., two uh, good young guys that they're going to look to uh, hopefully build around with Christian Wood. Uh, like I said, D.J. Officer is going to help them out tremendously. Been around the game, obviously, a very long time. He can teach them a thing or two. So uh, I think the, what we should look forward to the rest of the season with the Rockets is just seeing uh, Steven Silas just uh, continuing to build with that team and keeping them positive through the ups and downs. So cool thing about that, another team that maybe the, the best is ahead of them is well, when thinking about the Pelicans and, and what they're looking like with some of their young guys, obviously Zion included, uh, really playing well as of late, shooting high efficiency, scoring a lot of points. What do you really see coming out of them? I'm seeing Zion is, is taking over like uh, we all thought he would when he got drafted with the number one overall pick just a year over a year ago. Uh, he had a career high, 39 points. Then he scored 38 the next game. He's, he's looking like an absolute monster. They went 3-1 and one on this week. They've missed Lonzo the last four games, even out with a hip injury, and they've went three and one. I think they definitely are better with him than without him, than contrary to what I see a lot of people saying online, on Twitter, and some sports analysts. Sooner he gets back, the better. But Zion, he, he looks very dominant right now. He's getting up and down the court. Nobody can hold him. He's like Charles Barkley 2.0. And they lost the game that they lost, too. I think it's a little bit concerning because it's been kind of happening for them all year. They should have a better record than what they have. I think it's true. They end up blowing, like, I believe, 15, 20-point lead. They were up by 20 points against the Nuggets, I believe, at halftime. And the Nuggets end up coming back to beat them. So that's obviously something that just can't happen, especially with them trying to make a run to get at least into one of the playing games with 9 or 10 spot. You, you can't have a game like that where you just give up a lead like that. So I think, and I think it's, you know, growing pains, a young team trying to learn how to win. So it comes with the territory as well. And I think Stan Van Gundy is going to get a good job of keeping those guys focused. And they're just going to get better, man. They got Brendan Ingram, great young star, Zion Williamson, Lonzo Ball. And uh, it's going to make them a lot better. They trade away J.J. Reddick uh, to the Dallas Mavs. 
and they traded away Nicola to the Dallas Mavericks as well. So now you're going to have more uh, play time for some of those younger guys like Jackson Hayes and different people that stand may want to try in the rotation. So let's let's see how they uh, do in this last phase of the uh, regular season games and see where it takes them. 100%. And finishing off with the team that we mentioned a little bit at the beginning with the Spurs and how they're all there, they're really tight in that race. Um, looked to make a bunch of moves at the deadline. Didn't make, you know, some of the moves that people thought they would make. What, what kind of spot do you think they're in coming out of the trade deadline? Uh, I think the Spurs did what we all thought they were doing, especially they were going to get rid of LaMarcus Aldridge or DeMar DeRozan. They didn't get rid of DeMar DeRozan. He's been playing good for them. I think that was a very smart, uh, you know, DeRozan's not the uh, game that a lot of people like because he doesn't shoot three. He's more of an old school, old school throwback, two point mid range shooter. Uh, you know, like Rip Hamilton or somebody like that, getting to his spot, sweet spots, and he's knocking down the uh, two pointers. So, you know, he he fits what Pop wants him to do. And you know, they got rid of the Marcus Aldridge. They end up buying him out because they couldn't find a trade suitor for him. The Marcus ended up signing with the Brooklyn Nets. Wish him well over there. You know, I, I just don't think the Marcus bought in. And I think it was at the point where he saw a lot of young guys that were over there with the Spurs, and he didn't see a chance of really winning the championship. So it was just best for both parties, like uh, Pop said in the press conference, that they just went mutually went separate ways, and that's what happened. They signed him up. Uh, Gorgie Ding was signed by the Spurs. I think he's going to make an immediate contribution to that team, being, a, being the backup center. Uh, he'll provide some valuable minutes for those guys, being, you know, 16, 7-foot-ish. I think he provides a lot of spacing to the floor, definitely. He was shooting over, I believe, 40% from three for the Grizzlies in the games that he had played. So I look for Gorgie to get a fresh start up over there. Spurs, they went one and three. So, excuse me, they're not going to be able to do that if they want to make the playoffs because uh, the seventh through 10th spot is tight. If you look at the standings, I mean, it's literally like one to three games separating all of those guys with New Orleans, Sacramento. Sacramento's like on a four or five game win streak. Everybody's like slowly creeping up. And that seven to 10 spot, man, I think it's just going to be tight. I don't know who's going to be there. I could honestly see, as I said at the beginning of the season, the Spurs falling down and possibly missing the play in game. We'll see how that happens. Uh, I think that's what's going to happen to the Spurs. They're going to fall out of the play-in game, and they won't make the playoffs this year. They won't be playing the play-in game, but we'll see what happens with that. But other than that, Spurs, man, they they, they ended the uh, losing streak. They won a three-game losing streak, and they beat the Bulls, the new-look books, new-look Bulls with all the trades and stuff that they had done. And uh, DeRozan, he led the way with 17 points, seven assists, four rebounds. So, Let's see how the Spurs, uh, Pelicans, Grizzlies, let's see how they all do in this last stretch to see who uh, comes out in those that 7 to 10 spot range. Welcome to Gen Z Hoops. Today, we're joined by our Southeast Division expert, Nima Zavadzadeh, here to break down the patchwork of NBA action for the Hawks, Heat, Hornets, Magic, and Wizards. Nima, tell us a little bit about the Magic to start, being that they made so many trades and were so active in the trade deadline. Where do you see this team going from here? Yeah, the Magic were very active in the trade deadline. First, they traded Nikola Vucevic and Alfred Camino to the Bulls for Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and two first-round picks. They then followed up by trading Evan Fournier to Boston for Jeff Teague and two second-round picks, and they released Jeff Teague. Uh, and then they also traded Aaron Gordon to Denver for Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and a first-round pick. 
Uh, look, right now the Magic are 15 and 31 and the 14th seed in the East. The last time I was on, I said they need to do something and they did something. They blew it up, which I'm very happy about. I've felt for the last few years that Orlando was kind of in an awkward limbo state where they just couldn't get better. And now they got better by getting worse, uh, kind of buying into the youth. They have Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac out for the season, and they'll probably be pairing him with a top five pick in this year's draft. So, you know, the future is bright in Orlando. Acquiring RJ Hampton, also Wendell Carter Jr. is very nice for them. And being able to get off of Vucevic's contract, I mean, even though he was an all-star, he is 30. Uh, They got Otto Porter's amazingly huge expiring contract. They could even be players in um, free agency if they wanted to. But Cole Anthony is still going to be missing significant time this season. Wendell Carter and RJ Hampton had their debuts. Wendell Carter, eight points and eight rebounds in his debut. RJ Hampton had 10 points. My biggest question for the team so far, or for the rest of the season, is what's the plan with Mo Bamba? Uh, they've been starting Ken Birch over him and now acquiring Wendell Carter Jr. It feels like Mo Bamba's on the outs and maybe he gets moved sometime next year. Uh, but for the Magic for the rest of the year, it just seems like it's going to be um, just kind of waiting it out to the end. Hopefully they end up with a top five pick. Next up, they have a really tough Western Conference road trip. The Clippers, the Pelicans, the Jazz, and then the Nuggets. I think they're going to go 0-4, but I don't think they'll be too upset about going 0-4. Interesting stuff there with the Magic and the moves they were making, but the Hawks also were pretty active trading um, Rajon Rondo for Lou Williams um, and two second-round picks. What do you think that trade's going to do for them and, and what the future holds with, with, with that kind of a return? Yeah, I mean, Rondo just wasn't what they, what they needed him to be. Uh, it's kind of been a trend the last few years of Rondo really shows up for the playoffs. Now that he's on the Clippers, it's, it's going to be fun. The Clippers' locker room is going to be very interesting with Rajon Rondo and Pat Bev fighting over a starting point guard spot. Um, I'm very excited to see that. But Lou Will in Atlanta, I mean, he is from Georgia. That is his home. Uh, but he actually said he came out on Instagram and said he thought about retiring after the trade. Uh, you know, obviously, after being in a championship type environment for a while, going to a very young team who are a playoff team at the moment, but have their have their problems, did fire their coach this season. Uh, it's not ideal whenever you're ab- above the age of 30 kind of coming down uh, on your career uh, to move to from a championship team to that. But Lou Will will be playing, and I think he fits very well in this team. He adds a dynamic score off the bench for Atlanta, who can play as their backup point guard. He can also play as a two-guard next to Trey Young or next to Chris Dunn. Um, and so it just adds a lot of versatility to their lineups, which I like a lot. And I feel like Rondo didn't add that much to that team. But after winning eight straight, Like I said last time, they've actually lost three of their last four. So they are sputtering a little bit. Uh, They are the 60, the 23 and 23. But even in their losses, they're getting some really good performances from from their best guys. Uh, They lost the Clippers by nine, but Young and Collins combined for 51 points. They lost to Sacramento by two, and Bogdanovich had 20 off the bench. Clint Capella had 25 and 17. And that game would have gone to overtime if Gallinari didn't miss the game-tying shot at the buzzer. And then they beat Golden State recently, uh, 124 to 108. And John Collins had an incredible game, 38 and 12. He shot 74% from the field, four or five from three, and 86% from the, uh, the free throw line. According to game score, 
Uh, he had the 55th best single game performance this season, which is very impressive, especially for a guy who's not an all-star. Atlanta didn't trade him, and maybe that's what's best. We're going to see whether or not they keep him. But John Collins has really been performing very well, especially under Nate McMillan. Uh, but the last game they lost to Denver, uh, this was, that was Aaron Gordon's debut for, for the Nuggets, and they lost by 24. And really, you can't really fault Atlanta offensively. Offensively, they kind of did their job. Denver shot the ball extremely well, and that might just be a testament to what Aaron Gordon adds to their offense. They shot 54% from the field and 42% from three. Atlanta does need to make sure they keep things going. Right now, they're the sixth seed, like I said, and the East is tight. It's very, very tight. You slip a couple games and you ride out the playoffs. If they want to make the playoffs, they're going to have to really just keep winning, and their next three games are tough. It seems like all of these teams kind of got a little road trip coming up. They also have a little Western Conference road trip facing the, uh, the Suns, San Antonio Spurs, and the Pelicans as well. I think they could probably take a game or two out of those, but those are all three very tough teams, all playoff teams in the Western Conference. Moving on to this next team with the Miami Heat, who made a trade with your Houston Rockets. I'm curious to hear your point of view on this. I see the smile on your face. It's funny. But um, with that the whole uh, Victor Oladipo trade, Avery Bradley killing all these guys kind of in the mix, what were your, what were your takeaways on that? Yeah, I mean, you can hear the my full uncensored reaction to the Victor Oladipo trade on my podcast. It's a quick plug, Rocket Science Podcast. You can find it on Spotify and Apple Music, all platforms. Uh, but they traded Victor, uh, the Rockets traded Victor Oladipo to Miami for Kelly Olynyk, Avery Bradley, and a pick swap. In my opinion, Miami got their guy. Victor Oladipo got their location, or got his location, and Miami didn't give up much. Uh, Avery Bradley wasn't really playing for them much. That pick swap might not even convey. It is for next season. And the Rockets can swap it with Brooklyn's, but, you know, who's to say Miami's going to be worse than Brooklyn next year? So, realistically, they got Victor Oladipo and his bird rights for Kelly Olynyk and Avery Bradley. That's a win for Miami. The next trade they made as well, uh, I think, benefited them as uh, a lot. Uh, Bielitsa for Mo Harkless and Chris Silva. After trading Kelly Olynyk, being able to replace him with uh, Nemanja Bielitsa is, is beneficial for the Heat. Uh, still being able to have that kind of stretch big, although he's not as long or as skilled as Kelly Olynyk is. Uh, Miami is in an awkward position right now, though. They have lost six straight, and they are down to the eighth seed at 22 and 24. They have been kind of depleted, though. Like I said, they traded out four guys for two guys back, um, and those two guys haven't even played yet. So Oladipo is set to make his debut soon. He's out with a head cold. He, whenever he does make his debut, we'll see the Heat full-fledged and see how this new big three in Miami will do. They really do need to start winning games, and the media is expecting a lot out of Miami. Jalen Rose came on, uh, on ESPN said that Miami is now one of his favorites coming out of the East. So I, I have my skepticism. I've, Victor Oladipo has been playing well in Houston as of late. Uh, he was averaging 25, five and five in his last nine games, but there is still question of whether or not he will turn around, whether or not he could be consistent in Miami. And also with Miami's team composition right now, they don't have very many bigs and they didn't land LaMarcus Aldridge like they planned on. He actually went to Brooklyn. And so Miami is relying very heavily on their guards. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when, it, if, if they face off a team like Milwaukee or Philadelphia, who, 
have these very talented bigs in Giannis or Joel Embiid, even though Miami does have Bam Adebayo, what happens when Bam sits? Because there's not very many players on that team other than Bam Adebayo that can slow down Joel Embiid or Giannis Antetokounmpo. So Miami is going to have to figure out some things. Their next three games are against the Knicks, the Pacers, and Golden State. I do believe that if they have Oladipo and Butler and Bam for those games, they could easily win all three. Awesome stuff there. Really interesting. Great hearing your takes. But moving over to the Wizards, uh, they also uh, made a few trades. Um, team's been fluctuating a little bit up and down. What do you see? I mean, with them, with the rest of the season, what do you think they can go from here? Yeah, well, the Wizards, they traded Mo Wagner and Troy Brown Jr. for uh, Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson in a three-team trade with Boston and Chicago. The trade also generated them a $2 million TPE, which is nice. We'll see if they do anything with that. I'm not huge on the trade. I think Washington's priority should have been getting a little bit more spacing out there around Russell Westbrook and around Bradley Beal. I think they actually lost a little bit of their spacing here by getting Daniel Gafford and trading away Mo Wagner and Troy Brown Jr. I do think this trade is great for Troy Brown Jr. He is now going to be in Chicago where they will let him play like a secondary ball handler the way he did in Washington pre the Russell Westbrook trade. Uh, I think that's when Troy Brown Jr. was at his best. And this season, whenever he was playing off ball, he wasn't doing as as great. He does need the ball in his hands to to be efficient and be successful. I think he'll get that in Chicago. Uh, what this did fix the problem of was now they have a, a, a lob threat in Daniel Gafford. They kind of have a big man who can go in there and be productive in big minutes. They haven't had that this season with Thomas Bryan out. Uh, Gafford in 14 minutes in his debut had 13 points so there's a lot of high hopes there especially with the pace that the that the Wizards play at right now they're 13 seed and I said last time they need to start winning games and that didn't happen (laughs) Uh, they they actually lost to the Knicks twice they um, they did beat Detroit by 14 last game Uh, Russ had 19 19 and 10 but the Wizards, like, you, you can't be losing, you know, two out of three if you want to be a playoff team. You got to start getting above 500 in these stretches. And their next three is Indiana, Charlotte, and Detroit. Indiana struggling with injuries. Charlotte struggling with injuries. And Detroit's one of the worst teams in the league. This is the Wizards' time to capitalize and try and get a, a run if they want to try and make the play-in. Great stuff there. And it's incredible to think about how the Wizards can still make something out of the season. And this it really is their time to make or break whether the season's going to be a, a total failure or at least somewhat salvageable. So great stuff thinking about that there. And then moving over to the Hornets, obviously the, the headlines all, all of last week and the week before were losing the mellow ball with the wrist fracture. Anything else with this team that you think really stands out as to what, what life will be like without him going forward? Yeah. I mean, last week I said that I think Charlotte needs to just buy into the fact that LaMelo got hurt and try and get another lottery pick and they didn't listen to me and they're actually going to keep going to the playoffs and I I'm 100% okay with that uh they're 23 and 22 they're the fifth seed um and they made a small deal they got Brad Wanamaker at the deadline for a pick swap um where they are going to get a 2025 pick from Golden State and they give up their 2022 pick uh, so you just kind of move back in the draft a few years. Teams aren't really valuing those later drafts as much. But Charlotte's won three out of their last four. Uh, they lost their last game to Phoenix. But they beat Houston by 25, and they beat Miami by five. And they're doing surprisingly well without LaMelo Ball. And surprise, surprise, who's player of the week? None other than Terry Rozier, who 
he got that big contract for a reason. And I honestly feel last season with the rise of Devontae Graham, he got a little bit buried down in Charlotte. This season, again, with the rise of LaMelo Ball, he's still getting buried down there. But LaMelo Ball out and Devontae Graham struggling and Terry Rozier stepped up. He's not, He was player of the week for the NBA this month uh, for the Eastern Conference. Um, the next three games are the Wizards, Brooklyn, and Indiana. The Wizards, I, I mean, same thing goes for Charlotte, the same way I said for the Wizards. That game is very winnable for both of those teams. It just take, it, it takes one team executing and the other team not executing. And both of those teams are very good at not executing <laughs> at times. But I, I think Charlotte can take that game out. They do end up playing Brooklyn, who are dealing with injuries and Indiana who are dealing with injuries. So we'll see if Charlotte can capitalize, but they're in a very good position. And I think they will continue to be in a very good position as long as they can remain healthy with the remaining guys they have.